You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Hey, sugar. I'm Erica Michelle. I host a voice diary called Brown Sugar Diaries on the Rock Candy Network, where I spill all the tea about my daily experiences, life lessons, my journey to healing and wholeness, my life as an entrepreneur, student doctor, CEO of a nonprofit, and I give my opinion on the current happenings of the world. You see why I have this voice diary? I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Tune into Brown Sugar Diaries wherever you listen to podcasts, and let's sip on this tea. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. And this episode is brought to you by my patrons. My patrons are my personal lords and saviors, and I truly could not do this without them. And not only do they sustain this show, they also help me with like basic life stuff. Like last month, I had to repair my car. I would not have been able to do that without my patrons. So every little bit helps, and I truly appreciate it. I am indebted to my patrons. So for this week, I have to thank Bryson Cooper and Bridget Nix. Thank you so much. It means the whole world to me. And anyone listening who wants to join their number, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. For just a dollar a month, you get all kinds of extra content every single week, including my House of Heretics podcast with the Salvation Army officer turned Christian heretic, Timothy McPherson. There is also a link in the show notes. Also, one of the best ways to support this show is to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And here is a five-star review from someone in the United States. They say, knocked it out of the park. The episode on Bridget Eileen Rivera's book about the ways the church has burdened the LGBTQ community was very interesting. I had no idea that Martin Luther was so affirming of human sexuality, and I am a Lutheran from the ELCA. Very sweet review. We love our Lutherans here. I also loved that interview with Bridget Eileen Rivera. It was a great interview to start out the new year. All right. Well, with all of that finally out of the way, I am delighted to welcome Ben Burgess back to the show. He has written a new book on Christopher Hitchens. How are you? I am very good. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, of course. I think it's been a few years. I think you were mm-hmm. on like in 2018 or 2019. I can't remember. Um, Sounds right. Yeah. yeah, but it's been a while. It's great to see you again. So tell us some about who you are and what you do. Yeah, I am a adjunct philosophy professor at Morehouse College in Atlanta. I'm a columnist for Jackman Magazine, and I host a show called uh, Give Them an Argument, and now there's a sort of extension on Colin called uh, Give Me an Argument. And I also wrote some books, so uh, most recently, Christopher Hitchens, what he got right, how he went wrong, and why he still matters. Yeah, you were also, and I just have to bring this up because he was such a huge influence on me, Michael Brooks. You were a regular on his show, and he just had the most untimely death. Was it, was it, 
it was last year. It was the beginning of last year. Am I right about that? Or was it 2020? No, it was, I can't it, was, remember. It, was uh, it was the it was like late summer 2020. Yeah, that's right. It was such a huge tragedy and broke my heart. And you were a regular contributor on his show. So and that that I think is where I found out about you. Like he exposed mm-hmm. me to so much. I learned so much from him and like, I really, really, really feel his loss massively. Thank you. So you wrote this book about Christopher Hitchens. Why? (laughs) And it's great. By the way, I read it. I I read it over the weekend. It is fucking fantastic. It's short, but it's really, really lovely. And uh, it gets into a lot of themes that hopefully we'll be able to get to in this conversation. So why? What yeah. what drew yeah. you to this figure? Mm-hmm. Why would you write a book about him? Yeah, I mean, it's somebody I was always interested in, like going, you know, way back, right? So I, I'm in, um, like, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to turn 42 at a, in a you know few months so i'm just old enough that you know i was you know reading uh, his minority report columns uh in the uh, the nation in the late 90s i didn't i didn't always love all of his positions but you know i always thought he was a great writer and you know an, an interesting read you know he kind of somewhat fell off my radar for a while in the in the 2000s you know i, I was vaguely aware that you know he'd, he'd taken foreign policy positions that you know i hated very much but like he really kind of came back onto my radar in the late 2000s you know when, when he was one of the uh the four horsemen of uh of new atheism yep and and i remember in particular watching this uh well part of it i think i think the i think the youtube video i originally discovered uh, was just like his opening statement in this debate that he did with his brother Peter uh, about uh, the existence of God, uh, which is you know certainly certainly for me it's like watching that thing is is kind of whiplash because you know I later discovered this was like this was a what they did it was like a two hour thing where they had they spent an hour of it arguing about uh, religion an hour of it arguing about the war in Iraq you know so. Uh, so I, you know, my, my sympathies, you know, flip, you know, between the two <laughs> brothers, you know, between yeah. the, uh, the two, uh, the two parts of it. But, uh, but, but I thought that he, that statement, you know, which and that's, that's one of the debates I talk about in the book. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, like I used to like show friends of mine, you know, like that video, you know, and uh, I, I guess, I, I guess I just thought it was really good, even though, um even at the time I, I had some reservations about sort of atheism as like this sort of, uh, you know, identity or movement or whatever, like, like, like there were already some reasons, you know, some reasons that didn't make sense to me, but, um, but even so, uh, like I thought that the way that he presented his kind of humanistic uh, critique of uh like moral critique of uh of of you know christianity which is really what he was doing in that statement uh you know in this way that was like both you know rigorously laid out but also you know i thought uh emotionally powerful you know it in it you know like like i i really fascinated me at the uh at the time and i i guess yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to remember some of the timeline here but certainly, you know, certainly by the, uh, you know, the end, you know, I think it was, 
Yeah, I think like I had, I think shortly before he died in in December two thousand eleven, you know, which the you know this book was meant to sort of why you know why this seemed like a good time, you know, was was that you know we just passed the you know the ten year anniversary of his death, and you know, so I thought this would be a time that people would be sort of interested and open to you know kind of reevaluations of Christopher Hitchens. Uh, but certainly before he died, I'd, 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 uh, I'd read uh, his memoir, uh, Hitch 22. I remember also, um, and I also remember like this, this, this part has like absolutely nothing to do with politics or, you know, religion or any of it really, you know, but I remember reading in Slate some of the essays that he was writing as he was dying, mm. which, I mean, I don't, I don't cover the book, but he, but there's this little volume that came out afterwards, like a little slim book called uh, Mortality, that is a collection of uh, basically the stuff that he wrote, you know, about, you know, I almost said about his battle with cancer because that's such a, you know, that's that's like such a culturally pervasive way to put it, you know, but but I think in the, I think in some of those essays, he kind of talks about why he doesn't like that phrase, but, you know, the, uh, but it, you know, but like, and, and in this, in this like really effective and sort of more effective because it's very like, unsentimental kind of way uh you know he's he's talking about what that experience is like and and just sort of like seeing a lot of you know like all the sort of human things are kind of stripped away from him you know uh through that uh the you know i remember he uh you know he says at one point you know that he's like uh sick enough that you know that the uh that uh his you know his nurse could be penelope cruz and he wouldn't notice you know that the- <laughs> <laughs> okay. and that and that brings us to just like his extraordinary wit like when i when we scheduled this interview i went back to watch rewatch some of his videos like his mm-hmm. debate alongside stephen fry about catholicism mm-hmm. and he just has like the most incredible lines like, you know, I never wish for the death of anyone, but I wish, but I wish for the death of the Pope because there is this blessed period of time (laughs) when the enclave is assembled, when no one on this planet claims to be infallible. And it's just like absolutely (laughs) fucking hysterical. Or he, you know, when he was interviewed on Fox news after Jerry Falwell's death, (laughs) And and he he uses this line: "If you gave him an enema, he would fit in a matchbox." Yes, yes, yes. And it just flow. It, it would just like flow off his tongue. It, it was <laughs> it was incredible. And you know the way I describe writers mm-hmm. like him, mm-hmm. and I feel like there's this meta commentary in your book and. Mm-hmm. And it's what really interests me about your book, how he's a problematic figure, mm-hmm. and yet your book is kind of a, a homage to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the way I describe writers like him is he is so good that even mm-hmm. in the act of disagreeing with him, I become smarter. That is that is exactly it, right? It, yes. Yeah. And I think... You know, in some ways, right, like the, the last part of the subtitle, the, you know, why he still matters, you know, is, is the, the sort of least explicit in the book. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, the, the very last part of it, you know, is, is 
sort of the closest it comes to make it explicit. That's why I talk about exactly what you're saying, you know, there, you know, but but I hope it kind of emerges from the book as a whole, because I think I think he's still a writer who's worth reading and engaging mm-hmm. with and thinking about, uh, because, you know, one, all the subjects he talked about are still interesting to us. And, uh, and he would always make a really interesting case for whatever it was he he thought such that if he you know was on what i would regard as the right side you know there's no one you'd rather have on that side and 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 if he and and if he was you know exactly wrong from my perspective i mean like like he's he's still the he's still the person that you'd most like to read being wrong about it not just because not just because he's a you know the the pro style makes a joy to read but because it's 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 productively challenging that, uh, that, you know, that, that he had, you know, has this way of writing about uh, that and, uh, and speaking that such that, you know, even if, even if you kind of hate his conclusion, you know, like you'll find yourself, you're like, oh, shit, that's a really good point. Isn't it? I have to think about exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, your book was such a huge breath of fresh air because I think that we're all suffering from Twitter brain rot <laughs> in which, a lot of us can't feel like we can't be honest about our influences. And even if those influences are, especially if those influences are quote unquote problematic. And, totally. and what I found so refreshing about your book is how it, it doesn't try to round up to his best qualities, round him up to his best qualities, but it also doesn't try to round him down completely to his worst qualities it's like we can just let people be a mess <laughs> we can just let if does that make sense and that, and it's totally, like yeah. we can just let people be a mess and be let our influences be a mess and i wish that we could live in a world where we could be honest about our influences and be like yeah you know i am great you know i I am personally enormously influenced by Sam Harris. I feel like Sam mm-hmm. Sam Harris for me is like Christopher Hitchens for you. I mm-hmm. every time I listen to that man's fucking podcast, I want to fucking vomit. Like uh, like especially lately because he's he's had all of these awful tech bros on and then there's the whole <laughs> there and then there's the whole Charles Murray thing which was just in my opinion unforgivable like that was in my opinion utterly unforgivable and Mm -mm. at the same time his teaching on meditation has completely changed my life and and improved my life for the better and it's like what the fuck do i do with that i can't i can't lie i can't lie and say that this man has not had an enormous influence on me because he has and on the other hand I, I'm not going to downplay in any way what I see sure. as the very real harm. I think he, I think more harmful than Hitch, honestly. I think more yeah. destructive than Hitch. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I know what you mean. Even, even though, even though Hitch's worst positions are probably worse than, uh, well, I don't know. Actually, I might take that back. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hitch, Hitch, at least, I think was pretty good when it came to race. Yeah, no, he was. You know, he was very good when it came to to race. I actually, uh, actually have an article that's coming out, ironically, in uh, the uh, the Daily Beast, uh, mm-hmm. which which I like, you know, only ironic because like I I, I sort of like the, I like kind of take a very little bit of a shot at the end at the end of the book, you know what I'm talking. <laughs> yes, know? that's right. Yep. No, but uh, about why I think that Hitchens even 
even late Hitchens at his most politically flawed uh, would have hated the like anti-critical race theory laws. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which is basically two reasons, right? One is that he had these like really, you know, powerful defenses of, you know, free speech and why it's important to be able to openly discuss, you know, controversial ideas. But the other is that like, you know, even post 9-11, he supported reparations for slavery. You know, I That's mean, right. like, like he's, you know, right. he, he's a complicated like, figure. You could never yeah. predict what was going to come <laughs> like. And that's exciting. You have this line at the end of your book where it's like, when was the last time you read the Daily Beast or Slate and you were surprised? Like, when yeah. was when was the last time you read something in the New York Times and you were genuinely surprised by what you read? And it's like Hitchens always surprised us. And I and that's also something that I kind of feel about Sam Harris is he continues to surprise me. Like when he turned in his IDW card uh-huh. last year, I was like, oh, didn't see that coming. Or when he threw all of his IDW companions under the bus and came out against Brett Weinstein and and pro vaccine and just recent like last week he said that the greatest threat to the to the united states and democracy is coming from the right it's like didn't see any of that coming yes it is kind of funny just to connect the topics because you know you mentioned harris's uh meditation uh stuff and uh this would be much better if i remembered the name but like when i heard the name it wouldn't have meant anything to me you know so so i i i certainly don't right you know but Mm -hmm. but i remember uh, I remember talking about this with uh, with Michael Brooks once, uh, and uh, you know, since since Michael was like very, you know, he, Michael like you know would go on silent meditation retreats, mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff like that, and uh, and and I I sort of I don't I don't remember how it came up, but I I, I mentioned something about people who would say like you know, like, like Harris's like meditation stuff, you know, guided meditation stuff and uh, had helped them. And, you know, he was like, oh, you know, I mean, look, if it helps you, it helps you, I mean, whatever, that's fine. You know, like, and, and, uh, and then he actually said that the, uh, uh, that ironically, right. Cause, cause Michael hated Sam Harris. Oh yeah. Talked about, yeah. You know, he, he loathed Sam Harris. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, uh, and, but, you know, but he just sort of threw off in casual conversation that, uh, that he had, he and Sam actually had a meditation teacher in common. Oh, which one? I I don't know. That's what I'm saying. The name wouldn't have meant anything to me because this is not a world I know, right? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. So yeah, I would I, be I really know, interested I, to know which one it was. But yeah, we can. I'll, yeah, maybe, I'll hunt maybe, that down. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe Alicia would know. I don't know. That's the like cool. like, like his his sister you know, might uh, mm-hmm. might know because because she seems to uh, she seems to share some of those interests and you know so she she might she might know or or his mom maybe. But I mean, like if if. If not them, then I don't know, though, because, you know, because I just I just wouldn't even know where to look. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I I feel like we live in this culture. I wrote an article Mm -hmm. about this. I I forget where I heard this idea where Mm -hmm. it was on a podcast and someone was saying I think it was Feminine Chaos with Kat Rosenfield, where I think Kat Mm -hmm. was saying, you know, everyone seems to round down to people's worst qualities. And why don't we do the opposite? Why don't we just round <laughs> up? Why don't we mm-hmm. round up and see people through the lens of their best? And I'm like, I'm not comfortable with that either. <laughs> like I, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, no, nor you should know, you be, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm not okay with that either. And and I don't know, you know, I think Kat Rosenfield is very smart, probably way smarter than yeah. me. And so this isn't like a dig at her, but I, I, I think that. Twitter and social media is combining with human nature to create this very toxic environment on the left. 
in particular, uh, and on the right. I mean, it's everywhere. Of, yeah, yeah. Of either someone is a is an incredible hero or an absolute mm-hmm. villain. And totally. This, so this, this is what I, th- I always say about how like uh, uh, above all, like you know, like usually, usually when I'm you know criticizing left moralism uh i'm doing it from the perspective of like from the perspective of it being strategically misguided you know that that that, that it like it, it makes it harder to you know you know it makes it harder to achieve your political goals if like you know you, you come off to most normal people like an overgrown hall monitor but uh yes. the but like also uh even though it's you know even though like that's the point i usually emphasize about that like I also think, you know, and I've, I've said this before too, that like, I think it's, I think it's actually like that kind of moralistic attitude towards people is actually like very morally flawed because it makes us, you know, less empathetic because, because, you know, if, if you just constantly have to like flatten everybody to the point where you can sort them into the clear, you know, the clearly good box or the clearly bad box, yeah. you know, like, like you're, you're just you're just missing so much. Well, it also just it creates an environment where we by necessity must be dishonest because everyone is influenced by someone who's problematic. It's like that that blog from Tumblr that was really influential. Your fave is problematic. It's like, let's just admit that our faves are problematic. Let's just accept that all of our faves are problematic. And so people will come up to me and you know, almost like confess, mm-hmm. like, I actually really like JK Rowling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree with, I disagree with her, but I really like her and I don't want to let go of her or, yeah, or, you know what I'm saying? Or I, I really, totally. or I really like Richard Dawkins or I really, or I, you know, I really love, or I, you know, I'm subscribed to Jesse single Substack. I really like his writing. <laughs> like, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, that's fine. Yeah. Let's talk about our influences. And so that's why I loved your book so much is I see it as kind of, as like very countercultural. And, but the other thing is mm. whenever I see this on, on Twitter, this attitude of, Everyone is either all good or all bad. And if you don't adhere to that idea, to that attitude, mm-hmm. then you're a traitor somehow and you are engaging in both sidesing. And I just want to look at all these people and be like, have you never read a fucking book in your life? <laughs> have you never read literature? Have you never read Dostoevsky or Tolstoy or Oscar Wilde or yeah, Shakespeare? Right. Like, have you never engaged with literature in any meaningful way at all? Because human nature is messy as fuck. My favorite author is Oscar Wilde, and he <laughs> did horrific things. He probably did some things that we today would consider pedophilia. Yeah. Right. I I mean, it's like human nature is gross and engaging in literature, be it from someone from modern day or from the past is fundamentally is fundamentally fraught. And so whenever I see these purists on Twitter, I'm like, have you ever read a fucking book in your life? (laughs) And I know that comes off as very, very condescending, but I I don't understand the right. That that is kind of the right question. I mean, it's it's particularly (laughs) amazing because. Because so to see this play out in uh, you know people are are even talking about uh, literature right or or um, you know I mean like you know I mean, the rallied example or like you know I I also 
you know, I've, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, like I, I mean, I, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I have lots of, uh, you know, I, I, I think Norman Baylor's a pretty good, uh, pretty good writer. And like, and, Absolutely. and, and that guy was like dangerously psychotic. You know? Yes, like, he was. There, there are so <laughs> many dangerously psychotic, amazing writers who've influenced me. <laughs> Yeah, like, sure. Like Hunter uh, S. Thompson was a huge influence. Anyway, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally right. Like, but like, but like, when you're talking, you know, so it, it is just kind of funny, you know, to me to see, especially people apply these attitudes when they're talking about uh, literature, or even like, or even when they're talking about like, uh, like stand-up comedy, right? Which is a place I, I I see a fair amount of it, which is, which is just funny because these are both things that are you know, at their best are all about exploring human flaws, you know, and, and, it, and it's just that it, it's just, they seem like domains that are particularly poorly suited to try to like sort everybody into good people or bad people. Like if somebody's like getting up on stage and like being funny for an hour about like everything that's wrong with them, yeah. which is, you know, which is what a lot of good stand up is, you know, then it's like, you know, what then you're going to turn around and be like, Oh my God, I just found out that this person is a bad person. You know, well, well I'm done with that. Right. You know, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, I yeah. don't know. Did you, did you listen to that hour? Like, you know, it was uh, like, that's, uh, and, and yeah, as, as you say, right. I mean, like, and, and just the fact that, you know, that, that literature, good literature, at least like, so, so much of it, uh, you know, like tends to be, like, I mean, that's like, just, just to like boil it down to like an incredibly stupid bumper sticker. I mean, so much of it, like the thesis is like, people are incredibly complicated, right? Like, yes, uh, exactly. And, and there are two kinds of criticism mm -hmm. that we can engage in. I, I think it's good to, you know, for example, look mm -hmm. at J.R.R. Tolkien and see how sexist he is in his writing. Like, that's good. And mm -hmm. it's also okay to do that while also enjoying his work. So that's yeah. one approach, right? And so we mm -hmm. can do, like, that that critical queer feminist stuff. Like, mm -hmm. we can do it, and we should, mm -hmm. and look at how, you know, representation and all that and, and sexism and homophobia and whatever in literature. Like, that's all really important, and we can do that. But there's a... And we can enjoy it even as we do it, <laughs> even as we do that criticism. And that's okay. But then there's this other type of criticism that I see, which is it has, okay, this, this great piece of literature, it has, let's just, you know, use Lord of the Rings yeah, again. Yeah. It's very sexist or the Chronicle yeah, of Narnia, yeah. super sexist. Let's right. burn it all down. Okay. That's like the <laughs> other, that's the other version of it. And my response is often why do you think that you are so much better what why why do these critics think that they are the paragon of moral virtue and how why are they so certain that yeah. the future of that that future people won't look back on us on them and see horrible horrible flaws so like maybe a bit of humility yeah, yeah, is necessary. It seems very narcissistic right. to me. Anyway, this, well, this it's, is, it's it's yeah, also, it's also just just weird that like there's you know the assumption that like moral virtue slash good politics is going to be like really like linked to like every aspect of of somebody's like personality or output like in in this way that like we just sort of know from experience that it isn't like that they yeah. uh, that like I mean that. I don't know. Like I always see this, this thing that happens where like, uh, 
I, I, I don't know, like, you know, Joss Whedon or, you know, turns out to have been an asshole to people in the set of movies or whatever. And, you know, pe- people say it's like, oh, you know, I could always tell, you know, <laughs> okay. First of all, no, you couldn't. Right. Yes. Like, the, uh, you know, I, 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 I want to see those receipts, you know, that you could always tell. But like, secondly, like, what, why should we think that there's something here to tell? Right. You know, that like, that there's like, it's like, really, like, do you think it's impossible that like somebody like, you know, somebody like could be an asshole to people in his life, but also, you know, but, you know, but also like write snappy dialogue that does not particularly reflect this fact about him, right? like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so elementary. And, and I don't say all this to be mean mm-hmm. to my fellow comrades. Like, I don't say any of this to, to be mean or disparaging it. It's just like, come on, we can self-reflect and we can do better and we can have a bit of nuance. And I see your book and I bring all this up because I Mm -hmm. think this is the deeper message of your book. And Mm -hmm. you go into the fascinating kind of intellectual journey of Christopher Hitchens. But it's like beneath all of that, Mm -hmm. the book is a testament to you trying to engage sincerely with this very important figure who had profound flaws and i love that it's so refreshing well thank you yeah that that is exactly it right like i, I think you know i mean i was kind of sad in the past and in some ways you know in some ways this is like the most self-indulgent thing i've written because like the other the other books were like there was sort of a very clear like kind of large scale you know there was like a very clear sort of political intervention right you know like that this is this is you know, this is what I see people, you know, you know, in my view, getting wrong about, you know, about stuff and, you know, and, and, you know, you know, here's why we should be, you know, taking arguments more seriously, you know, here's why we should be, you know, here's why we should cool it, you know, left moralism, whatever. And, and this one, I mean, I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic that, you know, that, that lots of other people find it interesting too, because, because it's a, because, you know, he's a figure that many people find fascinating, but like, it, you know, in some ways this is, this, this is just kind of for me. Right. I mean, this is like, this mm-hmm. is like, this is, this is me. Like, you know, this is a guy who's always fascinated me. And like, I, I had, you know, towards the end of, uh, of, of TMB, uh, TMBS, uh, you know, we were doing some, uh, some throwback uh, clips where we'd watch, you know, we'd watch old footage of, uh, of Hitchens and, you know, and, and again, you know, kind of got me thinking about him again. And, uh, and and this is just kind of maybe like you know like taking the opportunity to like work through some of this stuff and you know and, and hoping that it's you know that's interesting to lots of other people too of course right you know but I mean like 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 in some ways it's a much more you know it's a much more personal book than the other ones yeah it definitely feels like a passion project so this might be too this might be an impossible question to answer and you kind of mm-hmm. allude to this at the end of your book where you're like we have there's no telling what Hitchens would have done if he had mm-hmm. beat his cancer. But what do you think? Where, what do you think, where would he be right now? Like, what would he have to say about our current world? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's really tough. I think that there, there's a range of things that I like, there's a range that I can imagine and there's definitely stuff that falls outside of the range. So I'll, I'll just say, I mean, I, I gave one, you know, small example earlier of like a particular issue where I'm, I'm fairly confident about how, you know, where he would have landed. But I think, I think that the, the best case scenario would be 
that you know occupy wall street like was kind of happening you know while he was you know he'd already had his cancer diagnosis and you know and and he, and he was you know he, he was kind of barely commented on it a little bit but like you know but like he had um you know but he was uh you know he was he was already starting to like withdraw from everything a little bit uh and uh, of course, the first Bernie campaign started, you know, four years after uh, he uh, he died. So, I, I, you know, I think that the best case scenario would be all of this, like, rekindles some of the old commitments. And I think if that had happened, I think a realistic best case scenario, it still would have been, I think it still would have been a pretty complicated relationship with the left. Because for one thing, I think that it would have been just psychologically you know, like he, he kind of burned so many bridges with with his post 9-11 foreign policy positions. I think it would have been really hard to mm. like ever like sort of admit to himself or anyone else that he'd been wrong about all of that. So so I, I think that if he had, for example, supported Bernie Sanders in, in 2016, which is not out of the question. I mean, I think he might have, uh, if, if nothing else, you know, above all other human beings on the planet, right? You know, like, you know, he hated Henry Kissinger, like, more than anyone. Yeah. And uh, and Henry Kissinger became an issue in that campaign, you know, that, that Hillary Clinton said she was, you know, that... Uh, you know, Kissinger was, you know, was, was this, you know, was a trusted friend and advisor, you know, Bernie did the whole, you know, I do a horrible Bernie impression, so I'm not going to try, but like, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, Bernie did, I, I'm proud to say, you know, another reason we need, uh, another reason we need Michael Brooks. I know, I know he did, uh, he did. So, uh, there's the, yeah, I don't even remember, like, uh, there's, there's some, some idiot must've like said on Twitter or something that like, uh, something about, uh, or no, 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 no. It wasn't, it wasn't that it was that it was like, a, I think it was like a libertarian that Sam Cedar had debated, uh, said something about, uh, Bernie being evil and, and, and like when the guy hung up, uh, Michael just like did this like five minute riff of like, of like speaking as the evil Bernie character, you know, <laughs> That's like with, right. with, yes. with Bernie's accent and his speech patterns, you know, just saying yes. really evil things, you know, but, uh, like, no, it was so good. Um, you know, I will say um, last. Uh, so, so yeah, Michael Michael died in uh, July 2020, and then in August of 2021, you know, his his family held a uh, like a kind of like you know for people who because of COVID hadn't been able to you know to go to the original you know service. Uh, you know, they they held what was essentially, you know, like a sort of year and change later, like on what would have been his, you know, hmm. uh, yeah, what would have been his thirty uh, eighth birthday, uh, and last year uh, he uh, they they had, you know, a said like uh, essentially a sort of delayed memorial service, and then in uh, in a, uh, a truly like cosmically bizarre bit of timing uh his father actually died like a couple days before the service and so it ended up being a uh, a joint thing right so people so people were were coming up and, and talking you know there'd be people who come up and talk about michael and then there'd be people who come up and talk about you know glenn brooks and you know sort of go back and forth and um which you know initially i felt you know incredibly awkward about right because because I, I never knew his father right you know, that's mm. this like uh you know this is you know essentially going to a funeral for a stranger uh but I, i'm glad i did because i because i i did feel like i got some insight you know into into michael because uh something a couple of people talked about is apparently 
like Glenn Brooks throughout his entire life was just like constantly doing impressions of everyone he knew. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, like father, like son. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, uh, so yeah. So I I think that when, I think that when Henry Kissinger became an issue, you know, between Bernie and Hillary, I think that might've sparked some, you Mm. know, uh, something. I, I think in general, the fact that like, you know, there's even like an interview from, 2005 i think where where hitchens says uh and he, he's a little bit all over the place about this right you know he says different things in different places i i think he wasn't entire i think he was still probably sorting out some of his his feelings about this you know when he died it was definitely a work in progress but he i think there's an interview from like 2005 where hitchens says that like he would still be a socialist if he still thought that was like on the table you know historically yeah right? you know? I, I was going to bring that up yeah yeah so, so I think, I think it's pop, you know, I don't think it's out of the question that he, um, that, you know, the sort of revival of some kind of socialist left, you know, even in, even in this kind of soft social democratic form uh, would have sort of awakened uh, that side of his politics, uh, although it's complicated because especially you know, given the foreign policy stuff, I have a very hard time imagining him saying anything nice about Jeremy Corbyn, but, yeah. uh, but I, I think it's possible that he, that he might've supported Bernie. I don't think that's out of the question, but I think if he did, I think between the gulf that the foreign policy positions created between him and the left and, uh, you know, and also, you know, so in other words, given the stuff he was wrong about, and also, frankly, given some of the stuff that he was right about, uh, mm. they, you know, I, I think that, I think that it would have been, I, I, I think that even if he had sort of come back around to to somewhat more robustly leftist position, in you know, uh, in the last several years, I, th- I think it would be, you know, I think it'd be fraught, right? I think he'd, I think he'd still be like. He'd be like, "Yeah, I support these people," but like, you know, he'd also be taking shots at them, you know, absolutely. And, and, in various ways. Uh, so I think that's like the best case scenario. Hmm. I think the worst case scenario, uh, and I don't like to say this, but I mean, just to be honest about it. I think the worst case scenario is that he, he would have become, you know, like a kind of cringy resistance lib uh, in the Trump years. Like that, that, that is something I can imagine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I could, and, I could see him becoming an, an anti woke crusader. Mm hmm as well like i would you know you know him better than i do but like Mm -hmm. that is what especially given the people that he surrounded himself with towards the end i could see himself kind of going the route of james Lindsay. maybe not that crazy but but to to a point to a point i think that the um like like here are some possibilities that i really can't imagine right like something that i absolutely can't imagine like, like, I think one of the things I feel confident, like, just categorically ruled out is that he ever would have had any, like, truck with, like, Trump support, right? Like, that they have a, mm, that, like, mm-hmm. he, I think, I think, I think he would have just elementally hated that, right? And there are better and worse versions of how that would have come out, right? You know, but he definitely, like, not only because, you know, the only two comments that I could find from him about Donald Trump were uh, in, um, in 2000, when, when Trump was, um, you know, sort of a candidate or flirty with being a candidate for the Reform Party nomination, uh, which which ultimately went to Pat Buchanan, just a bizarre thing to think about that, you know, Trump went for that to eventually be the Republican nominee and the president. But uh, uh, in a column in The Nation about that, Hitchens uh, refers to Trump as a nutball, narcissistic tycoon. 
and uh and then there's a point it's, there's like a c-span appearance where somebody asks him where you know brian lamb asks him about trump and you know and he and, he's, and he says that the as far as he can tell the only impressive thing about donald trump is that he found a way to cover 90 percent of his skull with 10 percent of his hair so uh that's a you know so like obviously there's a strong personal dislike but i don't even think that's the big thing i think the big thing is is that he uh i think that kind of you know right wing you know air quotes populism uh i i i think i think he he hated more than he hated anything you know i mean i i I, like the fact that you know he was like you know going you know that trump was like going back and like using like the Lindbergh slogan you know america first and uh and and just how openly racist you know that that like initial campaign was in, in 2016 uh which we kind of actually i think for, forget a little bit of retrospect to like just how like just how extreme that first campaign for president was that like he you know trump said many times that you know he was gonna ban every single muslim in the world from 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 uh, the united states uh you know, until we figure out what's going on. Uh, there, a reporter asked him once uh, whether maybe Muslims should be forced to wear special clothing to identify them. Is that it might be a good idea? You know, or like anything to, like that. People said to him like, "Oh, should there be like a registry?" It's like, "Yeah, maybe." You know, like uh, and uh, all of the like Mexicans are rapist stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like 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 I think that as you kind of alluded to earlier. I mean, he he was. Um, you know, I mean, he said many times, you know, including the last, you know, the last decade, you know, that uh, that he thought like the the sort of two most dangerous things were religion and racism. You know, so yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah, go on. So, yeah, yeah. So he definitely, he most definitely would not have become a uh, a Trump supporter. So if you think that there's a version of him that becomes like IDW, uh, which I kind of don't, but if you do, hmm. he certainly would have. Uh, you know, he certainly would have at least followed his friend Sam out, you know, at the same time and for the same reason. Yeah, I agree with that. And he, yeah, I mean, I th- I think that he would have been really, really critical. Uh, I, I, I see your point about him becoming like a dreary resistance Democrat. Uh-huh. I definitely uh-huh. see that. I could also see him just like eviscerating the current, Mm-hmm. climate of the left <laughs> like i could just, no I could, no I, I i think he would do that like i think yeah, i think yeah, actually yeah. no matter which one of these things happen that would be sort that of part that of is the mix, one thing right? that yeah. he absolutely would have done <laughs> yeah. you know he's he's one yeah. of those writers who i really miss and i really wish mm-hmm. that he was still around because same with like terry pratchett like i wish i could see what terry pratchett mm-hmm. would have done mm-hmm. with the trump era <laughs> like i i really really wish yeah. i could have seen what Terry Pratchett would have done with the Trump era, and I feel the same way about uh, Hitchens. And yeah, that's interested. Yeah. So, so what you have this really interesting line yeah. in your book about how, in a lot of spaces that you move in, mm-hmm. the the atheism versus theism mm-hmm. debate that Christopher Hitchens engaged in seemed a lot of people dismiss it as boring. Mm-hmm but you still find it really interesting. Mm-hmm. Share your thoughts on that. What is, so, so first of all, why do you think, because I've seen that too. And I, mm-hmm. I think m- maybe I'm misremembering, but I think Michael Brooks said something along those lines too, that, mm-hmm. that, you know, there was something, you know, it's like that, that debate is boring, that debate, you know, atheism versus theism. Like mm-hmm. we've moved on from that. It's, it's dull. 
Um, but you say in your book that it's still very interesting to you. Talk talk yeah. some about that. Yeah, definitely. And and this is also, I think, one of the reasons that I was interested in in writing about Hitchens, probably because it, it gives me a little bit of excuse to talk and think about uh, this in um, in a way that that I wouldn't have I wouldn't have otherwise. But like like you know, part of the reason Hitchens is interested to me is is because of this and. Uh, and you know, it's it's part of what I'm trying to engage with in, in the book. In in some ways, um, you know, there there are like aspects of of you know the Hitch's new atheist years that I'm like very critical of, and like you know of, of his like analysis for religion, uh, you know, because basically I think he's not been a good enough materialist anymore. But uh, but I think, and and you know, and and I think there is stuff that Michael you know talks about and against the web. Uh, about not sort of essentializing, you know, like sort of vast cultural traditions that uh, that that I think, I you know that I think doubles as like a good criticism of of like some of the new atheist stuff, but uh, the sort of core humanistic critique of um, you know I think probably to, you know to be honest mostly Christianity you know that uh, that uh, and and to a lesser extent like the the, the Christianity adjacent religions. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, Judaism, Islam, you know, that, because, uh, uh, you know, when, like, when Hitchens would, like, criticize, you know, Eastern religions, it always felt like a little bit of a hasty afterthought, you know, like, like that, 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 that's clearly not where he really lived on this topic, you know, like, and that's not really what he, what he spent his time thinking about. Uh, but, um, but I think that, uh, I think there's an aspect of that kind of humanistic critique of at least very standard claims in those religions, right? I mean, I, I understand that, like, uh, there are, you know, like, there's a huge gulf between, like, the views of, like, the sort of most and least orthodox, you know, Christians, uh, smaller orthodox, and... Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in like, you know, I mean, I think it's a little, you know, look, I'm an atheist. I'm not, I'm, a, I'm in a really bad position to say who counts as a real Christian, you know? So like, uh, that'd be a weird game for me to play, you know? So it's like, I, I don't think it applies to, uh, uh, to all of them, but, uh, but I think there are like some like very deep, very standard, very historically important uh, Christian. And I guess let's just say Abrahamic, you know, religious claims, uh, that Hitchens has a, this kind of humanistic moral critique of, I find very compelling. Hmm. Uh, and, and I also think uh, that uh, I, I, and also, yeah, the sort of core atheism versus theism debate and, and a lot of the sort of way that he was engaged in it, especially, you know, uh, especially with sort of attention to this issue of, of whether, um, you know, morality, you know, is something that has to, to come from, from a God uh, that, that he was engaged with, I find extremely interesting. And, you know, and also I'm a big philosophy nerd. So, I mean, I find just like arguing about whether or not God exists, you know, extremely interesting, but like, I, I guess what I say in that part of the book is that when people say this, you know, to, to me, uh, you know, like, I, I guess I'm never sure how seriously to take that because, and like, I, I think in Michael's case, maybe, a little part of it was that he did have these, um, you know, very deep uh, interests in, you know, Buddhism and, you know, and, and, and related traditions. And, and, and so 
he might have felt like his spiritual interests were sort of at a right angle to like most of what was being argued about in that debate and that's fair enough but like i think that um you know but i but i think the but i don't know i guess i think my general reaction to to hearing uh oh i i just find all that stuff boring now i don't i you know i, I don't really care about that you know is that it just seems really implausible to me at a human level because um i mean especially I mean, look, you can tell what I, what I wrote the book. I mean, this is, um, I had, you know, I mean, like I wrote it at a time when uh, I had, you know, like we'd gone through, you know, we'd gone through, you know, I mean, obviously COVID is not done, but, you know, we'd gone through the worst of COVID. Uh, I've gone through Michael dying. I've, you know, gone through, you know, other tragedies we don't need to get into but the so maybe this is just that i spend too much time thinking about death now but like i i, I think just on a really basic human level it's like i don't know i mean like like does do you know do people stop existing you know when, when, when they die i mean that 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 seems like something i have a hard time imagining people anybody being completely emotionally disengaged from that issue and just finding it boring right like uh, yeah i you know, i 100 agree with you it's almost like this i don't I don't mean to call anyone insincere, mm-hmm. but it, mm-hmm. it seems almost like the socialist hipster uh, <laughs> aloofness. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like philosophical, no, totally, yeah. philosophical aloofness. No, and and you're exactly right. And even just you know reflecting on Hitchens' death and how mm-hmm. I haven't read his book on mortality, but uh, even th- like that. The stuff that I was seeing him discuss mm-hmm. and the conversation surrounding him as he was dying, you know, everything from him dwelling on the fact that he believes that he would stop existing, mm-hmm. that his consciousness would end and, and to, you know, him um, responding to Christians praying for his salvation on his deathbed with get fucked, basically, <laughs> you know, just that whole spectrum of engagement with his own mortality is fascinating because it's core to what it means to be human. We're all going to die. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right about COVID as well. Like my, my, uh, one of my cousins just died this past week from COVID. And, um, I think that all of Hitchens's discussions about death and dying and mortality and the supernatural and God are very fucking relevant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like you'd think so, right? I mean, like, like, like who doesn't, you know, I mean, who, who doesn't think about, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm like, it's funny too. Like, okay. So there's a, um, so like surprisingly little, you know, for, for, for just how big a figure he was, right. Surprisingly, you know, little, you know, has been, has been written about him uh, since, uh, since his death. Uh, I mean, not, you know, obviously, you know, like when he died and, and shortly after there were like, you know, you know, five zillion, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, articles about him. Right. But as far as like books, you know, surprisingly little uh, has been written. So, so I, so I did feel, you know, compelled to read uh, almost all of it, you know, to, to before, you know, before I wrote this, um, almost all of it because there was like one like sort of like fundamentalist looking tract that like had a very self-published like look to it and, and i just like okay i can't do this I'm oh not, is I'm that not. is <laughs> that the uh the the christopher hitchens 
the 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 faith of Christopher Hitchens. Okay, no, 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 no. Like that, that one I did read. That oh, okay. Did read. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the one the one I didn't was like it was like you know God is great. You know, a systematic response. Like, okay, this, <laughs> this is uh, you know I I can't I can't do it. Uh, that but, is uh, actually a waste of time. Okay, <laughs> uh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, uh, but other than that, right? You know, like like I, I read like what little else uh, is uh, is out there as as far as books goes, and one of those was the one you just referred to. You know, the uh, the faith of Christopher Hitchens, the restless soul of the world's most notorious atheist by Larry Taunton, uh, and and in in that book, you know, I uh, I talk about it quite a bit. You know, he you know Taunton basically claims that that Hitchens was like teetering on the edge of conversion you know in in his like last you know months or whatever and uh, a lot of people uh like a, a sort of pretty common response is like oh Taunton was just like making up conversations and I say in the books like no I really don't think he was hmm. I think he was just kind of interpreting them in an idiotic way right like he he had like a, a, everything everything he reports Hitchens saying in the book is stuff that I can totally imagine him saying. And in fact, some of it's like stuff he said in like public forums. Right. You know, so uh, it's, it's just that Taunton was like reading it weirdly and like probably the best piece of evidence of that book is like, they're talking about the afterlife uh, and, uh, and, and Hitchens says, well, you know, the idea is not without its appeal to a dying man. And it's like, yeah, no shit, right? I mean, like, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm 41 and I have no major medical issues, and it's not without its appeal to me, you know, like, I, yeah, like, yeah. Like, and you know, like, I'm. It, it was so, it was so humiliating. Where uh, you know, I, I was, I did not uh, take care of myself in my teens and twenties, uh, and so it's like all within a period of a month in my 30s I suddenly needed glasses suddenly like had debilitating back pain and then my cholesterol was like suddenly through the roof my doctor was like if you don't get this under control you'll have a heart attack at 40 like all at once all within the period of a month (laughs) and and so I, I find myself thinking about death on a regular basis now just because I feel like it's that time of my life where you know i'm in my 30s now i'm suddenly more aware that i am very mortal and i can't drink you know lots and lots and lots of vodka and be okay the next morning like i know isn't that terrible it's so annoying it's so it's it's, like if i stay up a minute past midnight i suddenly (laughs) want to die for the next two days like oh i'm an adult now this body is not what it used to be and i'm going to die someday and how do i deal with that yeah yeah no i i i i hate that i i I really uh you know look I, i mean i still drink probably uh you know more uh than uh than like you know most people but like a tiny fraction yeah exactly <laughs> a, a tiny fraction of what i used to yeah no i've just yeah. stopped drinking altogether because um yeah. whenever i but, do but, but, now, but i hate that because 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 i because i remember that right like my yes. 20s or early 30s like i could i could like you know i could drink like a maniac oh yeah and then and then like wake up the next day and i'd be like maybe feel a little bad for a while and go to I'd work like have, and be fine you know, have some coffee and like you know and like i go about my business and like i'd be fine yes and exactly. like and it's like now if i if, if i try to like if i try to do the same now it's like oh no i'm just gonna feel 
I'm just going to like feel like half dead, you know, for, for like the next day. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't like this at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so it's that reality of confronting mortality yeah. that I think Hitchens does really, really, really well. And it's not boring to me. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway, yeah. well, I think oh, that's exactly. a great note to end on. And Everyone should obviously read your book. I will put a link in the show notes. Um, it is published by Zero Books, and it is fantastic. It's uh, very slim. You, everyone could, but but that does not that doesn't mean that it is a uh, you know a lightweight. It is really interesting and really challenging and very in depth into his work. And so, obviously, everyone should read your book. But if you were to recommend one book by Christopher Hitchens. Uh, to anyone who has never read him before, what would you suggest? Mm-hmm. Ooh, uh, that is tricky. Uh, so <laughs> it can be more than one. Okay. Okay. Well, I think if, I mean, it would depend a little bit on who I was recommended to, right? Cause, uh, cause, cause if I, cause if I was like, if I was recommended a book by Hitchens to somebody who, um, who like, you know, somebody who like, you know, I don't know, like read my stuff at Jacobin or whatever. And that mm-hmm. was like, that was the sort of point of connection or like was like a TMBS fan. Uh, probably the one I'd recommend is his book about uh, Clinton. Uh, no one left to lie to, uh, which, uh, which, which is like, I, th- I think, you know, one of the, um, uh, you know, one of the best anti-Clinton books. And it's, it's, I mean, it's funny, right? Cause I, I see people claiming sometimes that, you know, Hitchens was, you know, never really that interested in domestic policy. And I sort of know what they mean by that and like why they're saying it. But like also um, in that book, I mean, he is just savage about like how bad welfare reform was and uh, you know, the, you know, the death penalty and, and, and a lot of things like that in that, in that book. So I mean, it's sort of hit as, as like, you know, political polemicist uh, Hitchens uh, that is, um, you know, that is, that's like kind of the, you know, like he, he's definitely at his peak there. It, I don't know. I mean, if you have other interests, you know, or, or, or you don't necessarily want this, the straight political stuff. Uh, I mean, I think, um, I think, uh, I think actually, like, I, I certainly have my criticisms of the book, but like, I think God is not great is a great read. Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, that's, that, that is definitely, you know, I mean, on the more philosophical side of I it, mean, I, I think that's definitely a, a book that's worth reading. And, um, and I guess, and I guess the other one, this is like a side of, of him that I didn't really explore much in, in the in the book, uh, partially because I'm just not in a you know, I'm just not in a good position to because like I you know, um, like again, it's you know, it's like the uh, uh, it's it's like the drinking, you know, it's like I, I I maybe I you know maybe like I read more you know novels than you know like the average American or whatever, but like. I'm like essentially illiterate compared to Christopher Hitchens. So <laughs> yes. I, I uh, so, uh, so I, I, I just nod the position to like, to like write about his sort of Hitchens as a literary critic, which was like almost his other career. Hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, but I think he has a book called unacknowledged legislators, which is, um, you know, the title comes from a quote from uh, Shelley about, you know, poets being the unacknowledged legislators of the world. And it's just a, a collection of, of, um, of essays, uh, you know, it's, it's a collection of, um, of, 
of essays about literature, right? So like oftentimes some of them will be, uh, you know, and they're like big chunks of some of his other essay collections that are devoted to this, but like that one's entirely it. So like, you'll get like his, you know, the Hitchens essay about Arthur Conan Doyle mm-hmm. or, you know, like the Hitchens essay about Graham Greene or whatever. And, and, and it's, it's, uh, uh, and, and so if, if you're, so yeah, depending on, depending on what someone is most interested in, it would be one of the other of those three books. Perfect. Well, this has been great and I'm uh, glad to see you again. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, that's been good. All right. Well, that is it for this show. The theme song is wild by 11 D seven. You can find it on Apple music or Spotify or wherever you listen to music. This show is written, produced and edited by me, Stephen Bradford long and it is a production of Rock Candy Recordings. As always, hail Satan, and thanks for listening. (laughs) 